welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me, and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I am Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and today I have Leanne Maskell. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and you are a big follower of ADHD and ADHD advocacy, you will probably know her, recognize her name. And Leanne is an ADHD coach, she's an author and an activist, having presented to the World Health Organization on improving global access to support for ADHD. Previously working in mental health and disability law, Leanne set up ADHD Works to empower as many people as possible to learn about how to make ADHD work for them through courses, talks and coaching, all of which we're going to talk about on today's podcast. And after being diagnosed with ADHD age 25, Leanne has published three books, including ADHD and A to Z, as featured on Sky News and lots of other platforms. So I am delighted to have you here, Leanne. Welcome to the podcast. We've been trying to do this for a while. I'm just happy that finally we, we've managed to schedule it and we're here. Me too. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast. I'm oh. very privileged to be here. Thank well, you. Well, no, I feel, I do feel the same because I am on LinkedIn. I would say I'm not sort of, I sort of try and post, but I am more of a, a taker inner. I like to kind of like read all the posts and everything. And yours, I would say your, your platform that you have on LinkedIn is really powerful and I've seen how you've grown it. And I'm in awe of your vulnerability that you put out there, but also the amount of effort and dedication you put out there for the awareness and the advocacy of ADHD and especially in the workplace and I guess I just wondered where first of all where does that come from and how have you seen the advocacy that you've put out there how have you seen the tide start changing a little bit since you've been doing that yeah it's really interesting I basically once I left my job in law and became an ADHD coach I was like I've got no dignity left. So it was like, I have to write on LinkedIn that I'm an ADHD coach. Um, and it's a funny platform because when I first started posting on it, like when I got my job, I was like, oh, hello everyone. I've got a job, a real job. <laughs> Congratulations after spending so long. And which is what I think most people um, approach the platform because it's such a like, it's like an extension of an office. Uh, in that we're all kind of masking and being like oh like I'll get messages from people a lot where they say um I want to like your posts but I don't want my manager to see it because they might think that I've got ADHD oh. and like I'm like well that's okay that's <laughs> fine um yeah. and for me personally I also um have struggled with social media a lot myself like which I think is a huge part of ADHD actually and like the dopamine and the instant gratification and then like I grew up modeling as well so it's huge kind of impact on Instagram and when I became an ADHD coach would it be um, about a year and a half ago now I was inundated by parents at the start and teenagers um, that were really struggling with similar issues TikTok mainly um, 
And it was so overwhelming for me that I started writing a book called The Reality Manifesto to try and help them, like with my own experiences of like I when I was 22, I deleted my whole Instagram account, like the whole entire thing. Um, And I had like loads of fake followers on there and stuff from modeling and like as a model, you know how fake it is. Um, and like all of the other fellow models all had like fake followers and we'd get free things if we had certain amount of followers. Like at auditions, they ask you how many followers you had. And like those were in the quite early days of Instagram as well. Um, and I was like editing all my photos. And I was literally like a model, like um, having like prof- I was editing professional photos taken of me. So God knows what these kids are going through now. And they've got the filters, they can do it automatic, like it's done for them in seconds. So anyways, I I kind of wanted to write about that. But ironically, I was feeling too addicted to Instagram (laughs) to write in the book. So I um, deleted the whole, like I deleted my account for a while. I deleted my whole Facebook account a long time ago as well, which really improved my relationships with my family. I would recommend it if anyone's Mm. struggling. And then that left LinkedIn and I was quite bored because I basically had got off other platforms to try and concentrate on focusing this book on like writing that about social media. And then I got bored and started writing more on LinkedIn. (laughs) And um, and then it became my new daily habit. And now I'm managing to not write books and instead just write on LinkedIn like a daily update of my life, Um, which I don't really think about too much. But yeah, it's been really beyond incredible to see it grow. Also for me, Um, I like writing a lot like I think by writing Mm -hmm. so that is a good platform for me to just like get all my thoughts out and then the same thing I really get very angry at seeing how disempowered people are because they don't have the tools to do things and like as I've grown in my work and like presenting to companies on things like um, adjustments for disability in the workplace but then if they don't have like a reasonable policy a reasonable adjustments policy in place for people to know how to even access these things that I'm presenting on that feels quite annoying for me so then I just made like a free policy and put it on the internet like, here use it <laughs> give it to your employer so I really really love it because it's a very very agile platform and very flexible and I just come up with templates and things and put them on there and empower people to take action and now as you mentioned we've got um a petition that has gone to parliament and parliament having a debate on that next week and I just got an email and put it on and it was shared so many times about like raising awareness and I thought oh I could create a um, template for people to write to that MP because again like I know from my experiences now that if you write to an MP they have to reply to you so I was like oh or just give everyone the tool to do that find a website where they can do it really quickly and really easily and then there's it's making it really easy for people to do and amazingly, now Parliament have put out a petition, for, um, petition, a survey for people to give their experiences with ADHD and autism assessments, which will help evidence their debate. And so then sharing that again and like, yeah, it's just a really, really nice, like productive platform. Um, yeah, I feel like what you, you know, you really do use it as a force for good and you are very um, generous with your time and you're generous with the information that you give to people, you know, like that free information where they can, especially with ADHD or or any neuro um, diversity, it's really hard to get going and to start and to be like, oh my God, I need to write the letter. I need to understand what accommodations and you're kind of getting them over the line by 
giving them the, the the template and you're giving them almost like some of the words and the language that they can use, which makes everything so much easier because to just have that conversation in the workplace is really hard mentally to be like, where do I yeah. start? You know, the fear, the RSD, the worry, there's so much there. And that's what I really value with what you're doing right now, because I say my space is definitely sort of like helping women with their well-being, mental health, probably late diagnosed women. You know, I'm older than you. So the, my audience is sort of coming to me in their sort of their 40s and their 50s who are trying to navigate and understand their lives. But the, a massive part of well-being and understanding yourself is like the career that you've chosen and the workplace and the how you I guess the worth that you put on your career. And again, also it's it's almost like an invitation to um readjust how you want to work and maybe change careers and maybe lean into your your strengths that you perhaps that you've been pushing away or felt like you had to conform to a certain way. So I do feel like it's also interrelated because if we are fulfilled and content in our careers in our workplace, that has a direct impact on our mental health. It has a direct impact on the way we are with our families and our kids and everything. So I just love how it's all so interconnected, but just being able to talk about it on LinkedIn and what is upsetting, you know, when you say you get messages from people that come to you and say, I really want to like your post, comment on your posts and that, that mask, they're not ready to drop that mask. They're not ready to be vulnerable or perhaps they're not in a safe space to do that. Mm. And it seems ridiculous because maybe we're in a bit of an echo chamber with our LinkedIn and I follow a lot of people who are talking about neurodiversity and it kind of feels like the tide is shifting the mood's changing people are becoming more open but then you realize actually in the much bigger corporates you know especially when it's deemed you know if you work in law or accountancy or you know like really stayed corporate places they're not interested in neurodiversity they're not interested in supporting no. or making accommodations what would you love to see in your advocacy, in your work, especially because in the grand scheme of things, you've not been doing this for long. So what have you seen, I guess, already changing and what would you love to see in the next five years? I think that's a big question. Mm. <laughs> like everything. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think there are so many different elements of it. Um, but particularly, I guess if we focus on the workplace, like, like my general life and like the work I do, I just love like giving people tools to empower themselves. I generally against exploitation and like that's a big part of all of the advocacy with ADHD. And for me, working as an ADHD coach and previously having worked in law, like mental health and disability law, actually, it makes me so angry on people's behalf when I see them like asking for basic support and being told like, no, we can't do that. Like, no. No, that would set a bad example to other people and stuff. And you're like, oh my God, I want to bang my head against the wall um, because it's the law, right? And it's like, they don't have a choice. Like, And actually empowering people to understand their rights. And I think with ADHD in general, like in the UK, adults couldn't be diagnosed until 2008. So there are so many adults now being diagnosed and you know, a huge number of reasons for that. But for the purposes of like actually what that means for you next like the whole journey there is very um long and like complex that can the whole topic in itself but then once you actually do get this magical diagnosis or even if you don't get that like once you understand okay this is something that affects me and I'm mm -hmm. experiencing these challenges like what do you do next with that information like 
what does that mean for you? And I think for people to understand their basic rights of like, mm. hey, this shouldn't be happening. Like, you know, you shouldn't be being discriminated against at work. Or for me, it was like, hey, you shouldn't have to pay £300 a month to access medication. Like, that's not a normal. Because I remember going through that and thinking, but how on earth does other people like, how does everyone else do this? Because like £300 a month is so much money. Like that's not, that can't be like everybody's experiences. So that's kind of what led me to write all the books that I've written um, because there's no rule book, rule book. There's no experience out there of what should be happening. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in terms of like companies and reasonable adjustments and things, I think they're in really tricky places, the companies, because, for example, in the UK, the Equality Act applies whether someone has got a diagnosis of ADHD or anything else or not. Like, you know, you're not allowed to be discriminated against. Then you've got people that are on huge, massive waiting lists and wanting help or people that are being diagnosed with ADHD, etc. But they, again, that no one tells you like congratulations you've been diagnosed with ADHD here's an entire um you know analysis of your personality and all of the things that could help you and now you're going to be perfect have, have a wonderful life you're kind of just dumped with this diagnosis yeah no one tells you what that means then you're left down a new rabbit hole trying to figure it out um and along the way there are a lot of people that will exploit you like and it's really awful and that's why like I've made courses and things for people but the first one I needed to make was like ADHD and understanding what that means for you and like how to take responsibility for it and like um, what you can do in the way of like I don't know being a happier person or managing some of the challenges before you go and rush into your work and say hello here are my adjustments I would like because guess what if they don't if the support isn't there or they don't um they don't have the training, which I think it's something like 77% of companies haven't given their employees neurodiversity training. Um, so chances are they probably haven't. Like, you can actually really go down this very stressful and unnecessary hole of, like, fighting for rights and not understanding it. And um, anyway, yeah, that's a bit of tangent. <laughs> um, but I think that the biggest thing that employers should do is have a reasonable adjustments policy in place, like training, so that at least, because it's impossible to expect them to train managers, for example, on every single possible condition out there and know how to handle it. But at least if they've got a policy that explains like, this is what um, to do if you do experience like any kind of challenges to do with health or anything out like childcare, this is what you can do. This is how you can talk to us about that. And this is the kind of things that will happen next. Um, these are the questions that we might ask. Um, and it'll be an ongoing supportive process. It's not here to like, you know, terrify you and make you think that we're going to fire you. Like, but giving that reassurance and being a bit more human, um, training up the managers in that process and then offering them support when it happens. Because, yeah, and I think, so it's like education on both sides and just bringing a bit more like humanity. And I think, vulnerability into them in general from a world where we're like ah everyone's got these things now what do we do oh my god we don't want to set conditions for everybody but just actually being a bit more like supportive and um listening to people no i think you're right 100 percent. and what i'm kind of feeling is that when we get a diagnosis and then we have to go into into our workplace that's going to cause friction um, because the friction is going in and asking for the accommodations and asking for um, changes to be made. And if we are a people pleaser, if we have, you know, we suffer from RSD, 
it's going to be a really big thing. It's a massive undertaking. And if we're just processing the ADHD and just understanding how it's shown up and everything, then to have to go and explain and need validation and not be questioned. Like you said, this sort of non-judgmental space. We want to go in there and know that that person's not going to be like, well, are you sure you don't look like you've got ADHD or you've never flagged it up before, or you don't seem to have a problem sitting and you're never fidgeting, you know, these questions, which may just seem a little bit trivial or just, you know, surface questions Mm. are feeding directly back into that kind of like, well, actually, is there anything wrong with me or should I really be here and all the imposter syndrome? So we need, I think, if there are going to be diversity experts, specialists, you know, anyone there sort of representing that role, that place in, in the business, they really need to understand it from quite a personal level, I think, and know from a vulnerable level how that person's going to feel when they come in and asking for those accommodations. And it's not, to, they're not coming in to make a fuss, they're not coming in to, to be different, or to make other people feel like, you know, they're fine what they're doing, but actually, I need more. So it's quite nuanced. And I do believe that as hopefully as more awareness grows and you know people like you who are doing such great work especially in LinkedIn because I do feel Instagram TikTok and there's already a space there there's a level of understanding there is but in that corporate feeling where it does still feel quite kind of like you're in a box and you've got to conform and everyone's got to be professional and we're not allowed to talk about mental health or show vulnerability Mm. we can't be successful and have mental health problems we can't be Mm. successful and show our vulnerabilities um but you know we've got to break break it all down and sort of rebuild it a little bit and I guess you know what you're doing tell me a little bit about the ADHD works what that is and how people can access that and what you're doing to help support people yeah so when I was in my job so I basically got diagnosed with ADHD at 25 managed to then calm down enough got a job in law um but still we're struggling with different aspects of the idea. Like we said, um, it's not like, oh, magical, woohoo, you're a wonderful human. Here's your new job, have a wonderful life. Um, <laughs> and so I was like scraping together money for therapy. And then I found out that um, there was government funding called Access to Work that could pay for people to have ADHD coaching. And I was like, what? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I've been spending like so much money on private diagnosis, medication, all of these things. Like, and I think I'd written, yeah, I'd already written half of the book, or most of the book, before even finding this out. And I was like, because that was purely me trying to figure out what this ADHD thing was. Because when I was diagnosed, I didn't believe it was real. Um, and I definitely didn't think, even if it was real, like it wasn't something that affected me because my symptoms were so, um, like, emotional. Like more than, um, like, I got all A's in my exams and stuff, like, exams not a problem because I could just memorize something for the day <laughs> couldn't tell you what was in it afterwards but like I could remember it for a day do an exam on it and then forget yeah so I'd written this book found out about access to work applied for it and then that was actually for me the first time I met someone that had also been diagnosed with ADHD um she used to be a lawyer as well she was the ADHD advocate like it was really amazing coaching and it just helped me so much because I think it was that validation um like what we've just discussed and I'm sure so many people will feel like listening to your podcast as well. But like five years ago, these didn't exist. It's amazing because it's quite a short space of time. But like no one was talking about ADHD. There was nothing. <laughs> if you found LinkedIn, it'd be like, oh, what is that? Like when I actually put my book up on LinkedIn, so it had been two years ago, 
I was mortified. I like spent two weeks in bed crying. I also misspelled the title as AHD, which I only realized after posting it, but I was, I deleted it and then was like, oh my God, like, why have I just destroyed this career that I've finally managed to get? Like, why on earth did I need to tell anyone that I've got like mental health? Ah! Um, so yeah, like no one was really having these conversations, but for me, I had coaching and it was just talking to someone like that had been through what I've been through, that could understand my brain, that could understand like the problems weren't me trying to I think, get certain goals done. Like the problem was like, I didn't know what to even do in the first place. And like, um, you know, had so many ideas, but I couldn't figure out which ones to do or this or whatever, um, how to fit into the world. So yeah, having that coaching, which also was amazingly paid for by the government, really really helped me and like also at the same time working in law um and seeing these struggles that the companies had and supporting people with disabilities like because I worked with a lot of law firms um and like learning and the same thing that's why I really am quite passionate about giving people these resources especially for free because um like knowledge shouldn't cost people money especially in the world of ADHD where you're already having to pay so much for like basic survival but I feel very privileged to have been able to like understand all of that and have experience in knowing the law and like what reasonable adjustments are for example I never would have ever known that if I hadn't done that job in particular and it's funny because at the time it felt so random and now looking back I'm like oh they're all linked up but um I kind of had these different experiences through the coaching also uh managed to publish that book I just mentioned ADHD and ADHD I just self-published it because I'd started getting people asking me about ADHD and I would just send them the manuscript and they were like, that's so helpful. Please publish it. I was like, really, really don't. I was so humiliated in the first um, month and I was like, I'm never going to mention that ever again. Um, Was that your RSD kicking in? Was that fear of being exposed, the vulnerability? What was the bit, if you kind of try and analyse it now, what, what bit made you feel so scared anxious worried about sharing the book um I think it was that I'd finally managed to like get a real job and be happy and like yeah I was even managing to live kind of quite well with ADHD at that time so like why I was just really scared like oh god now like because I also worked with a lot of really incredible mental health and disability lawyers and I was like they're all gonna be like what is like how could she possibly have a job and like oh my god um and I was like, I've probably got things wrong in there because I just wrote it by myself. And it was like self-published. It wasn't like for a big publisher. Like now it's been bought by a bigger publisher. But like, I was like, just felt like such an important. I made the cover on Canva in like 10 minutes and obviously <laughs> missed that one, um, which I could fix really easily. But also I had the kind of reference point of I published a book before that called The Model Manifesto. And that book, like when it was launched, it ended up on like the cover of The Times and I was in the rain and like, and so the contrast was, and I put, I like wrote to a lot of um, the journalists that I've worked with before and I was like, hello, I've published this book and none of them replied. <laughs> so, um, it was all these like rejection things <laughs> and being like, oh my God. Um, and yeah, and so, and that's just really, and like, I remember someone sent an email around to my work being like, look how amazingly Anna just published this book. And I was like, oh, can we just not like, can no one either? Oh, no. Um, it's that it's a very body sort of visceral feeling isn't it of that like oh just make it go away like I I remember in a very similar vein when I launched the podcast I was terrified I was like what am I doing it's like mm -hmm. making me feel physically sick that I was like putting myself out there and 
it was it was all it was like this muscle I had to keep flexing like every every week I'd be like oh my god it's like podcast week and then I realized the people who were listening and the people who um, were tuning in and, and listening every week were the people that needed it and I wasn't really getting the feedback and the judgment I thought I was gonna get so that yeah. that kind of made me feel okay that's okay because people who aren't interested in ADHD and neurodiversity aren't going to be listening and therefore not going to be judging so it it, de- it did get easier but I totally get that it was like I almost wanted to shut the whole thing down throw my laptop in a bin and run away mm-hmm. yes yes and like how amazing is it that you didn't do that but like my coach at the time she said it's not about you it's about them like there was all the people that need the book like remembering your why like why you're doing it and now I coach people a lot on similar things I'm like well like no one cares like, yeah so what exactly. Someone everyone cares you. about people themselves are judging you anyway yeah <laughs> they're all judging you're not going to know about it if they do just block them um, yeah. but you know I'm really privileged to be in a position because I don't have to go into an office anymore so I don't see people and worry about <laughs> if they're judging me I'm just like oh well and I think the ADHD comes in really handy there because I like that book I just kind of do it and then forget about it quite quickly mm. or like I'll just do things and then like they're kind of out of my mind whereas like I've, yeah it's it's a balance but um yeah but I remember like the coaching session I had after publishing it my coach was trying to be really she was like you need to celebrate it and put and I was like quite stressed at the time just crying like crying I was like I don't want to talk about it <laughs> I was like can we just not mention that book ever again <laughs> she was like but yeah, anyway, so long story short, but like, ironically, about three months later, I got a message from someone on Microsoft. She was a like director at Microsoft person. She messaged me on Instagram and she said, um, I loved your book. It really, really helped me so much. Um, can you come and train us at Microsoft? I was like, okay. Um, and my dad was my dad was like, that's a hoax. Don't do it. He <laughs> was like, don't give them your bank account details. I was like... <laughs> I don't know. Um, I had my model agent at the time, so I said to her, maybe you could um, deal with that. I was like, I feel like we should charge them something, but I don't know what. Um, and like, yeah, at the time, she was like, what do you want to charge me? I was like, hundred pounds. And she was like, no, she charged them more than half thousand pounds. And they were like, yeah, sure, fine. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what's that? And I'm like, right, okay, maybe I could do this as a job. Um, and then, yeah, and so I like left my job and then set this up. Um, again and like when I first started coaching the first people I spoke to were people that were really struggling at work in the same way and like again because they didn't know their rights um like things like reasonable adjustments and like the support they should have been entitled to they were blaming themselves they were like it's all my fault I'm never going to get a job anywhere I'm an awful person um I was like actually did you know that you can ask for example the interview questions in advance and that isn't like is I had a girl she would faint um when she was having interviews like because she got so stressed out mm-hmm. and I was explaining to her like it's not special treatment to give you the interview questions in advance like not everybody else is fainting out of stress and the in the interviews like it was recorded or that they would have seen you fainting being like mortified like mm. yeah but if we don't tell them in advance but again if you don't have that education so that was pretty much what ADHD works was about set up I started out coaching uh and now I've coached lots of people but the demand for it is so high I've got like a list of 200 people (laughs) really sorry for listening to this and I've not got back to you yet I will next week um because we're now taking on like 25 new coaches next next week actually so like training them up to help with the demand because there's just so much of it and Last year, I tried to manage it by creating courses and doing group coaching, which again, was like incredible. We had like over 500 people doing the courses. 
But for me personally, like by myself, me and my poor, poor virtual assistant, Beth, they were just like <laughs> podcast, retreat, uh, call, this course, this course, this course. And like, that's my ADHD where I'm like, we can do five things at once. And yeah. like book law, we redid the book last year as well of the publisher. Just like, <laughs> um, so that was quite, it was very intense burnout time. And now I'm trying to do it a bit more organizedly. Um, still like we do all different angles of it, like training up companies um, and like I mentioned, we've got the ADHD retreats, which are really, really amazing to do. But hopefully now I'll be able to do it in a bit more of a like organized way um, of where it's not just like bootstrapping and me taking it all on by myself and exploding. Because by the end of last year, I kind of never wanted to hear about ADHD ever again. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm listening to you and you're literally mirroring back to me my life. Um, so thank you for that. Um, because I was exactly Welcome. the same. Yeah, literally exactly the same. And I wanted to do it all and serve lots of people in different capacities. And at the end of last year, come mid-December, I was just so burnt out where I made this very intentional decision that January was going to be you know downtime for me and I was really going to kind of be more mindful about how I want to work and um, the capacity that I want to work in with a family and needing space and time for myself my own well-being because how can I serve other people if I'm burnt out and exhausted and resentful that I haven't got time and space so I've tried to be sort of reconfigure the way I work because burnout for so many of us with ADHD is always just there on the, on the, mm -hmm. you know, just, just in the near distance, but we can always sense it and taste it and see it. And the signs, you know, come back to us all the time when we're taking on too much, but you know, with our ADHD brains, we have ideas and sometimes it feels really hard not to fulfill them, especially when we go, Oh my God, that'll be amazing. I'll do this and I'll do that. And, and I think our clients are the same and the people listening to this are the same. So it's trying to be mindful of all the energy and all the help and all the activism and the sense of justice that we have, that we want to do it all and be it all and help everybody. But we are only this one person. Um, even training teams, you know, like you're doing that, that for me is scary because I know how <laughs> exhausting that can be. Um, so it, it's this passion that we have, this constant passion, but in a way we've always kind of kind of keep it on a so I always see it as like a bonfire that can go out you know out of control and we've kind of got to keep the the embers the ambers what's the with the m what's the word mm. burning embers, on, embers. yeah <laughs> embers burning on a on a low Ooh, I note. but we can very easily throw you know like fire um, fuel to it and <laughs> all, goes, it all goes crazy and goes to shit my and, uh, flat sat on fire last week oh like, no right. wrong analogy to you fire coming out of it I was like really, really? Like, yeah she'll have my pajamas today <laughs> uh, I had to call the fire engine oh like, no um, oh my god well yeah, that is sometimes a good analogy yeah but sometimes those things that blow up literally in our lives <laughs> is a little bit of a sign to us that things are we're taking on too much and we're doing too much yeah. and we're you know and as much as it pains me sometimes to sort of play it small the way I've reframed it now is that if I am serving the people in the way that I can serve, then at least I'm, you know, doing that because when I'm burnt out, the ripple effect is huge, you know, with my family, friends, kids and all of that. So, yeah, it's a bit of a tough one to swallow. I think it's a hard pill to swallow when you are a very creative person, but your well-being is, is also, it's kind of like we've always got to have like that way up of, excitement creativity passion but actually the burnout is is always there as well and 
yeah, something I'm still trying to learn. You know, maybe that's just life. Maybe we'll always just have to <laughs> always have that that balance to keep checking in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's fascinating to talk to you, and it's amazing to hear what you're doing. And I always say this to like my guests when I see this like amazing passion. It's like always like, what do you do? to keep that balance in check what are you doing for your well-being and if people are listening to and really resonating with this this amazing activism and this advocacy and this this need to help and desire to be of service how how are you then looking after yourself mm, good question <laughs> yeah and that's why I try to be really honest I've ironically I think that's why my LinkedIn has gone well like very not intentionally but because I just write about how awful my life is and people are like oh me too I'm like you want me to coach you? I can. Um, but, you know, like last night I was just hysterical. All night I was trying to, ugh, I've got a holiday booked next week and cancelled it because I was like, that would be really stressful for me to go on. It was like a skiing holiday. and um, But then I was like, maybe I just need to go somewhere hot by myself and was like trying to find somewhere, but then got really overwhelmed at the different like places that you could go. And the, oh, just like hysterically crying in the bottom of my stairs <laughs> like as my phone was going off of like hundreds of people sharing the, all the um what's it called like LinkedIn um petition stuff and I was like <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with my life um so yeah but for me there are a number of really important things that I try to make sure I keep in check one is um having coaching so I have like so much coaching myself which is almost too much and I had to again at the end of last year like re get rid of some people um but I've got like a coach and I see a therapist every week, like non-negotiable, um, really great therapist that has really helped me a lot. But the coaching also really helped me to create short term goals, which is what I do with my clients. But like they call it breaking marathons into sprints, like because having ADHD, we do have, like you said, like the idea and then it's the execution of it and then it's the following up and um but like I will try now to set shorter term goals like every three months or every month so that I know what to say no to like one thing for example is um not taking on like calls like when I first started I would just have so many calls with people that wanted to chat about xyz and now I just say no can't do it um which is really important because I know about myself, like if I talk to someone about something they want or like you know again like something I'm quite passionate about I will end up spending my whole day like trying to help them and build their business and be like, wait, and then get angry. And then be like, why did I do that for free? No one appreciates me. Um, anyway, so I know this about myself now. So it's kind of built like preemptively building in the barriers to yourself. Um, Beth, my virtual assistant, is a really big part of that because she is, um, you know, she's in charge of like inboxes and stuff and sending out like templates. And we've got really good systems that if you want to do uh, the course on being self-employed and having ADHD like kind of put them all in there but having systems for like incoming inquiries and sales and things like that like um, I found a sales coach last year who's been really helpful for me with ADHD as well because being self-employed you're like there's so many different aspects to it, but like money is a big one. Like when I started out, I was like, oh, idea, idea, woohoo, wonderful things. But actually, like I had a really helpful coach at the start who said, you need to make sure you're making money every day first before like going off and saving the world. Otherwise, you can't do any of that. So I try to make sure that I prioritize like money and staying alive um, and not taking on too many clients. As long as it comes down to boundaries, like having a very few number of clients now that I work with intentionally because. 
like right now I'm trying to build up the coaching course so that I can actually um, make that, what is the word? It's like basically helping more and more people get the support because as a coach, I can only take on a certain number of people anyway, any one time, but by training up other people, kind of delegating, boundaries, um, exercise, really, really important. Like last year when I burnt out, I was like, oh, I just need to go to Australia for a month, which is my go-to like um, bad, bad thing to do, um, like buying flights across the world. So I was like, maybe I just need to go and like work somewhere hot for a month. And actually, what I needed to do was like get back into really small habits, like going to yoga every day, not like going to Australia, but actually just like these daily small habits, which again, coaching really helped me get back into because I found someone that helped me like just even figure out how to do it like time wise and how what routine and accountability. And like for me, I know that I can create these amazing routines and I can stick to them perfectly for a while and I will fall off it. And like, if you're listening to this, you will too. (laughs) Um, But then it's just about getting back on it. And like each time you do know the things that help you the most um, and like the things that you can do. And like also the signs that you are about to burn out as well. Like, and hopefully putting in things like preemptive things that like for me, is things like, okay, um, like this morning, me and my um, Beth, we went through my calendar and we're like, what can we take out? Because we got too busy the week. So these kind of things of like, okay, we need to like reduce now. So being conscious, hopefully that was a helpful, long, no, <laughs> really long explanation. That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And so much of it I I resonate with. And, you know, the last one that you just said then of like going through my calendar, that's like a weekly thing now. I just go through my calendar and and what's already on my mind so what's interesting is that this week is quite a nice week I've kind of balanced it really well and then because next week is where my my week has got busier and and already in a week I'm in my head the fear is kicking in of my busy week and I don't think people with ADHD recognize this is that we think so much ahead that we're so ahead of time that the anxiety is taking over now so that's already mentally depleting us burning us out because I'm worrying about next week already um, and even yes. though this week is decent I'm like oh my god next week I'm going to be so stressed I'm going to be this I'm going to be running and so it is that it's constantly being a little bit ahead which is hard again with our executive functioning and you know planning uh, but it is so worth it. It's just so worth being intentional and mindful about our capacity and what depletes us. Because that is, for me, that's the key to my managing my ADHD. All the other stuff is great, you know, like nutrition, exercise, sleep, all my supplements, making sure I'm not drinking too much caffeine. Like All of that is like a curated formula. I've kind of got locked down. But the things that throw me off guard and my emotional dysregulation and anxiety just come back with full pelt is overcommitting, having like my boundaries being skewed, um, people creeping in to my boundaries a little bit unknowingly. And and that's what, you know, really kind of throws me off. So it is just, and to have a coach, I mean, going back to what you just said, then coaching is possibly the, the best thing. And I know that Dr. Ned Halliwell says that, yes, medication is incredible, but without the support, the therapy and the coaching, it's kind of not 
the best um, because we need to then learn new skills. We need to learn how to reframe things and look at things. Um, and like you say, if we know how to work the system and we understand what we are allowed to get through access to work, if you're listening in the UK, there's different ways that we can access this help, um, group coaching, anything like that. And so I think what you're providing is fantastic. Your book is, you know, so helpful to so many people. And I guess, you know, what you're doing on the bigger scale with the parliament and lobbying and going in there and doing the things that so many of us wish we could do but you're actually doing you know you're actually doing this and putting yourself out there and creating change and I think you know so many of us are really grateful so I want you to be kind to yourself yeah. maintain your energy try not to overcommit, <laughs> but also on you know I just want to you know give you that gratitude and recognition for all that you're doing um but can you tell people how they can find you if they're really resonating with what you're saying what what's the best way finding you in a non-overwhelming way <laughs> uh, got the book ADHD and Anxiety ADHD works for info and you can just find me on any platform Leanne Maskell um but if I can finish for a point of the activism stuff, because you mm. asked me about it earlier, and I don't know, the activism and advocacy work, and like even the parliament stuff, you know, like this thing now, I just signed a petition and got an email and just shared it on my LinkedIn. And then people are like, it's Leanne's petition. I was like, it's not my petition. I just, I just signed it. Um, I just made a tool, but actually it's like, all of the activism work is so, I think it's just, like one person like I just added on a letter and so many other people have like commented and shared it and like it's like a big chain of it but it's really easy especially in the world of social media especially in the world of ADHD where we're like we do have a lot of social justice and like passion and we want to like make a change and do things the biggest thing I'd say is like you don't have to have billions of followers you don't have there's nothing special about like what I do not to put myself down at the end of this but um you know, all I do is just kind of, I'm like, well, whatever. Like, if someone judged me, it's fine. Like, I already judged myself too much. Hello, welcome. But it's like kind of just being passionate and like using your voice and like in whatever way that feels right to you at whatever point. But like also knowing that you can't change the world anyway and like things, that's the way to do it. It's just like actually do what feels right for you and authentic and like don't compare yourself to other people and like look at social media and be like I need to be doing this thing that this person's doing like just do what feels right to you but also know like you don't have to do anything like you don't owe anyone anything I talk to a lot of people who do amazing things in their workplaces like they set up neurodiversity networks and advocate but they're not being paid anything to do it <laughs> and they have to do it on top of their other jobs and um yeah it's really stressful like and yeah like you don't have to do any of these things like yeah, you as well, Kate. Like you've really got such an incredible podcast that is like such an amazing resource for so many people. And like, even if you never did another podcast ever again, like you've got enough there in the world. It's amazing. You've done enough. We've all done enough. We can all go to bed and have oh, a good rest. Yes. Holiday. Amen. I mean, that it's so nice to hear that. And you know, I do. I feel this pressure, and I compare myself a hundred percent because what I don't do on social media is do these cool posts with graphics, and I yeah. follow all like amazing accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers who do these amazing, you know, slideshow kind of carousel. Mm. Like, wow, that would take me about 15 hours in Canva to do one thing. <laughs> me and too. Words don't come out of me. They come out of me 
while I'm having a conversation. You know, that's when I'm like, that was profound, but that would never come out on Canva. So Mm -hmm. I have to recognize that that's not my zone of genius. My zone of genius, I hope, is just having a conversation like this and recording it and putting it out there. My zone of genius is never going to be, you know, creating fancy graphics on Instagram. And that's why I don't have the hundreds of thousands of followers. But the followers I hope I have are the ones that are just interested in hearing when I do decide to make, you know, do a post. And it kind of does look like a seven-year-old has done it. But apart from that, like, you know, it's it's mine. It's the way I want to, you know, communicate. But that is a new way of thinking that that wasn't, you know, a few months ago, a year ago, I was like, I need to do this. I should be doing that. Mm-hmm. It's going to take me seriously. If I ever want to write a book, I ever want to have this, I need mm-hmm. to have more followers. And now it's not there. I've, I've kind of just really stepped into that place of like, this is what I can offer with the capacity that I have. This is the energy I have. It's, it's finite. Um, and my energy has to go to my kids first and for you know and, and obviously I care a lot about my audience and my clients and the listeners but I can't burn out because my kids need me and I have so much mental health issues in my family that that is my priority um so yeah I just want to thank you for that recognition because <laughs> I think we all need that reminder don't we that we just mm-hmm. do what we do and like you say if one person is doing something in a company of 10 people that ripple effect from those 10 people go to another 10 people and that is enough what we do is enough so yeah we're already enough we're you're a first priority for you and your well-being yeah we but... always agree yeah but it's it's a really hard part like we're just expected to be everything like podcasters social media experts millions of followers book authors this that though and like I can I would just like to say from the other side of the platform now of like having all the books and stuff and like it doesn't make you any happier like even you know financial success and stuff like you're just like well I still can't do my wash I've still not washed my bed sheets for like three months so <laughs> I don't know what I've meant to get here what's the end goal but like you know it's just being nice to yourself and like trying to find things that make you feel happy on a day-to-day basis and like if you want to help people that's you're already helping people I just want to thank you so much Leanne because I really love this conversation and um it's been great to actually meet you in real life and chat um and and thank see you. past the the LinkedIn posts and and everything <laughs> that you do and just have a lovely human to human conversation yeah thank you so much and thank you for everything you do Kate. thanks for doing <laughs> the podcast for me and all your followers oh we all appreciate it <laughs> thanks Leanne Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope you found what you were looking for in this conversation and it's helped guide you towards some further self-healing, self-exploration and most importantly, self-acceptance. And if you have enjoyed this conversation and would like to experience more of my work, such as access to exclusive live workshops and opportunities for group coaching sessions, connecting with other like-minded women and a general feeling of belonging, please come and check out my monthly membership, the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. I've made it as affordable as possible, and I offer you lots of resources and opportunities for connection and support from other women all around the world being diagnosed with ADHD later on in life. I'd absolutely love to see you there. All the details are in this episode's show notes or on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. See you in the next episode.